are shaking up the rust here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. Sean and Andrew back for the first time in about three weeks, and I'll be just flat out with it. Energy is low today. Big day, Wednesday, second signing period. I just finished off a very long run. You just finished off a very long trip. Um, I also realized we did not celebrate our special episode number 50 together because that was a one-on-one I did with Brandon Gauden. Are you upset by that? That's, that's very selfish. Is it the gold anniversary? I never know whether it's the silver or the diamond, Is but 50 is obviously a big deal. Yes, 50 episodes. That's crazy, man. I didn't even yeah. know that. Well, um, here's 51, a little crazier. 51. Um, you know, almost 52 is in the Super Bowl the other day, but wow. we won't talk about that. Sure. Um, but no, 50 episodes, man, that's that's nuts. Uh, it's been a long time since what, last April, was it? Uh, I think maybe a little bit later. We can go back. We'll have some sort of retro episode. We can cut up the best uh, highlights. Not of outtakes. We've gotten rid of them uh, despite your your pro, uh, protest. Yeah, I would love to save our outtakes for a separate episode. We anyway. We can't save or we can't show all those outtakes. <laughs> no, no. There will be a bleep fest. Um, anyways, as said, uh, Wednesday's a big day. Second signing period. We're going to lead off with that. Lots to talk about. All the NFL Combine invites just came out. We're going to talk basketball, which is seemingly back on track. Junior day conversation. Your mail back questions and i'm sure some other extraneous topics will come up as well but before all that i mentioned you had a long trip you went to a wedding in england what was that like are are weddings over there any different obviously a close friend you had who is now over there but what was you haven't even told me off air well i gotta i gotta be careful what i say because alex my friend um is a loyal listener of the podcast he likes to call and shout out alex yeah hopefully not listening on his honeymoon though (laughs) i i I would guarantee you that he is really all right well thanks man anyway big big fan stay fine fan uh but no I mean, uh, it's a little bit longer. Um, Why? You have to pace yourself. Um, It's just the schedule of the day. I mean, we had to be there early and stayed there late and a nice little quick pub trip in between. I'm not sure how that happened, but groomsmen grabbed me and said, we're going to the pub. I said, all right, I'm not going to argue. So, uh, but no, it was a good time. It was a short trip, man. Uh, Thursday to Sunday, a couple of long flights, jet lag still with me, but uh, we're good to go. And it it was a blast, man. I mean, uh, that's the second time I've been to England. It was so much fun. Uh, Alex, one of my best friends, uh, really happy to celebrate the day with him and Jane. And uh, of course, all the congratulations in the world to them. So the reception, was it just like other receptions you had been to here in the States or was any part of that different where you go, okay, this is new? A lot of speeches. Um, oh. but that, you know, that, did you that happens speech? here. I did not do a speech. I got a shout out in a speech, which was pretty nice. Wow. Um, but uh, a lot of speeches. Uh, did the podcast get a shout out? The podcast speech? did not get a shout out. Mm, um, all right. I retract my shout out for Alex then. <laughs> he, uh, he'll tell me about that then too. Um, but no, I mean, it was uh, it was it was your basic wedding. It was, everything happened at the church. It was pretty cool. Uh, everything, of course, in, in London, a little bit older than, than America. But uh, you is know, it now? <laughs> yeah, we brought, uh, brought a little U.S. flavor to the place. So that was fun. I went, went over with some college friends, but it was great. Um, but uh, yeah, missed, uh, missed a junior day. We had Steve and Brian Doan and uh, Michael Clark and as well as some others sub in and get some guys and still had some phenomenal junior day coverage. So they took that off my plate, which was huge. But uh, no, it was a blast. Uh, it was a long weekend. Uh, a little bit harder to recover from jet lag with the two kids uh, mm. waking you up at 630. But, uh, you know, we, we like to trudge through that. So. Yeah, I like to think you're at least half responsible for those kids. So that's that's half on you. That's generous, but okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get to signing day before we talk about junior day, which is in the books. You mentioned we had a lot of coverage. Um, those guys did a phenomenal job. We'll have a little bit more conversation there. Uh, it's really down to two guys, in my mind, when you look at this Wednesday and the decisions that are going to be made. Penn State's class is largely put together. A lot of hype about Rasheed Walker, Solomon Enos. The most important thing you need to know or focus on on Wednesday with respect to these two guys. With those two guys, I mean, it, it, 
it, it of course Rashid Walker is going to announce around eleven fifteen. I think their team is doing a whole thing. I mean, you know, he's the main guy in my eyes. I mean, Enos is uh, sort of an add on. They've already got the three or four receivers in the class, depending on how you want to look at it. Don't expect Penn State to sign Shaquan Anderson Butts tomorrow. He's been in the class for a while, but obviously academics have been a question. I know we got some questions about that on the mailbag, um, but um, yeah, I mean Walker's the guy. He's he, he's the guy that you know James Franklin pointed to in the the first signing day press conference where they said they had needed defensive end, needed offensive tackle. Well, they got Jason Owe. Um, you know they they signed him in the first signing period. Now Walker is he's the big fish, and you're going to head to head with Ohio State for Rashid Walker. And if you can win Jason Owe, if you can win Rashid Walker back to back, that's two huge Ohio State targets, which I think for you know just for visibility's sake. I mean Ohio State's obviously been in another level for the entire time. Penn State's still not nearly where they are or where they've been. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to get a couple of guys to pick and choose a couple of guys, uh, you know that would be a huge statement. So, I mean. They've been recruiting him from the start. Ohio State, you know, sort of was slow on him at the beginning and, and ramped things up toward the end. Penn State, uh, it, it, I think it's going to... Uh, well, they had the last official with Walker, did yeah, they not? Yeah, yeah, they had the last official in January. Penn State, of course, has been in-house with them. Right. Sent 10 assistants to his house a couple of weeks ago. Sent James Franklin in last week to try and close the deal. Uh, this has been a hard-fought uh, battle between the two, and I think it's indicative of, of the effort that they're going to put in on their top targets, especially when you're talking about the new signing period. I mean, Penn State had, what, 22, 23, whatever, uh, guys signed in the early signing period. So all the focus goes to Walker, to Enos. You know, they they, they dabbled around with a couple of defensive backs, uh, offered Julius Irvin in California. Mm-hmm. He ended up with Washington uh, after Alabama offered, and he, tri- he tripped there. He never got to Penn State. Noah Boykin was on the radar for a blip. Ken Montgomery was on the radar for a blip. They didn't have offers to give these guys, so they just sort of went by the wayside. So it's been pretty much all in on these guys. So, right. um, you know, Walker... I I still like my Penn State pick for Walker. Um, you know, they've been on him the longest. They present him with, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, a fairly open depth chart. There's a lot of offensive tackles and offensive linemen on scholarship right now, but he's got the opportunity to come in and play and, and see the field as a redshirt freshman or potentially a sophomore. So I think all the opportunity points to Penn State. Um, Ohio State right. needs tackles as well. Um, they're on Nick Petit Frere, who is one of the best offensive tackles in the world, or in, in the class. I don't think, sorry, I'm been traveling wow. around the yes. world. I didn't see any offensive tackles of his there. caliber <laughs> in England. So, uh, But, yeah, it's a great opportunity for Penn State to sort of flex the muscle. In this class, number four in the country right now as we speak, going to end up firmly, I think, inside the top ten. I don't know if there'll be a top five because Alabama's going to get some guys. But the thing that I look to, Penn State's got three, five stars in this class right now. I mean, you, you, and th- those aren't changing. I mean, you got Parsons on campus, Ricky Slade, Justin Shorter also have previously signed. Yeah. Um, so you've got an opportunity to you – know, solidify a a class that's firmly within the top 10 just out of the top five and you know Georgia's probably going to win the signing day title or whatever and Ohio State will be there Alabama will be there Um, some other teams will creep up but I mean this is an all-around very good effort by Penn State and I think when you look at that you know the last three names you mentioned are obviously the headliners right you know guys who could have instant impact day one perhaps not in a starting role save for Parsons but guys who you know five stars it's it's kind of understood what they bring to the table but the big headline for this team in last season was the ad 
added depth that they had, right? That this was a team where, you know, there's an injury, there's not a big fall off, where, of course, that wasn't the case in the first couple of years of the Franklin era. I think what this class brings, not only is that continued depth, which they need to replenish in 2018 with everyone they're about to lose, but also you keep the star power. So in previous classes, you're just looking to get that depth and kind of stay in the top 20. Now where you're in the top five, it's a large class, but it's also balanced from top to bottom where you can count on enough instant impact where you're not having such a significant loss. And then again, with that depth that you're losing, the guys behind them can fill in, you know, in a year or two and be contributors as you would expect from a class that's going to be the top five. Yeah, if you looked at absolute need, I mean, Penn State came into the cycle, you know, you'd argue that they needed a tight end, uh, always need offensive and defensive linemen. But I mean, there really wasn't a position that really jumped out to you. Of course, they added the three linebackers, four linebackers with Micah Parsons. So they've addressed numbers there, although there's probably still too many guys on scholarship at linebacker right now. I know Penn State fans don't want to hear that. But um, no, I think it's it's something where there was no glaring needs. And when you look back to what Franklin did in 2014, 2015, you know, the start of his tenure, like you mentioned, I mean, you needed everything. You needed something everywhere. Um, They've really addressed that. I think they've done a phenomenal job at receiver. Justin Shorter, obviously a top of the class talent. Um, You know, Ricky Slade, you saw what Saquon Barkley was. I don't think he's, you know, as physically talented as Saquon Barkley, but he's. But who on earth is? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, but, uh, you know, I just, the, the need is sort of overstated. That's why you don't see a ton of uh, retro, a ton of guys that are immediate starters or anything like that, whereas they needed them in 2015 and 2016. So yeah. good job. Continue that roster building. They didn't sell out at any one position to get too many guys. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I think they'll be all right balancing that roster moving forward, which is something that Franklin hasn't stopped talking about since he got on campus. Yes, so. yes. And now, especially the offensive and defensive line, something you're still continuing to hear and talk about because I think that's ultimately when you look at the teams that finish in the playoff, that's what defines them, right? Their line play. It's an old football cliche for a reason. You win up front, and that's where it all starts. So for them, too, you know, the defensive line is kind of an issue last year where you're not getting pressure in those couple of games that you wanted to. That's a sell where guys can come in and perhaps have an impact. But you'll also have all the guys who are on that line essentially back on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be – I think it's still going to be a, a rebuilding up the middle next year. We're not really tech talking about next year, but when they get some of the, some more of this talent in there, you've got your premium pass rusher in Ottawa. You've got a couple of other guys that, you know, can can really be solid players, good players for Penn State. Um, So, I mean, you're working up to that. Uh, that elite level. I don't think they're there yet. If they played Georgia, if they played Alabama, no, no. they'd have been pushed all over the field. But, uh, you know, you, you saw that in the offensive line class in 2016 and 2017. You know, they're still building that depth. And I think eventually they can get close to that level. I don't know that they're going to get there anytime soon, but they can get close to that level. So. Okay. The eight primary guys they need to replace all just received uh, NFL Combine invites on Tuesday. They are as follows. Uh, safeties, Marcus Allen, Troy Apke, Saquon Barkley, obviously, linebacker Jason Cabinda, a couple of corners in Christian Campbell and Grant Haley, tight end Mike Kosicki, wideout Dacian Hamilton. Now, we had a little bit of fun before we started recording because last year you projected, okay, who's going to go next year as we're sitting here in 2017? Who's going to get 2018 combine invites? And we'll do the same looking ahead to 2019. You nailed most of them. I think the obvious surprise in here uh, is Troy Apke. Uh, he was invited to a, a lesser all-star game where you've got the likes of Marcus Allen, Gesicki, and Deshaun Hamilton going to the Senior Bowl with Christian Campbell and then some lesser Bulls East West Shrine game with the Cothran brothers and um, Grant Haley. But Apke's a surprise. I wasn't so sure about Kabinda, but obviously for these guys who are looking to break it and are not surefire lock picks, 
outstanding opportunity in late February, early March to show what they've got before all 32 NFL teams. Yeah, phenomenal turnout. I mean, to get eight guys in there, I think is, is great. Um, going back to uh, last last year when we did that thing, I think uh, the closest I had, I had John Reed going, but obviously, you know, yeah, if he left early, there was other things in play there. Uh, Brandon Mann, I had as a guy that was likely going to be, you know, he just, uh, I'm not sure that, you know, I, I think he had a decent year, but at the end of the day, I don't know that every, you know, NFL team wanted to take a look at him. They'll see him at Pro Day. They'll see him lift and everything like that um but yeah troy apke let's talk about him i mean just uh phenomenal um you know he got the mvp in the nfl pa bowl but that doesn't really mean anything um in terms of a, an evaluation standpoint or anything like that but yeah for him to get there we know he can run i know a lot of people don't think he can run but we know he yes. can run he can you know be that athletic guy he's been a guy that's tested off the charts for them the last couple of years um so and just happy for him i mean this guy that uh like malik golden before him made the most of his opportunity he's turning it into an nfl combine appearance and especially a guy who not only just started one year as a senior that's your shot you've got to make the most of it but someone who probably could have benefited from redshirt and didn't have the opportunity to do so because of the circumstances surrounding the program right but here he is anyway and i think the mvp you know you're right it's not going to be oh well he ran a four six but he won mvp the nfl pa bowl however if you're at that bowl obviously you're kind of on the fringe of the draft selection so what do you need to do once you're there well you need to win mvp you need to stand out and say listen we're not might be the best of the bunch but within this group I was the best and I think for him you know I'm not sure how those practices went but in the game he obviously showed out big interception and the fact that he can run is enough to say you know what let's give this kid a flyer if he goes undrafted invited to camp you know if that doesn't work out bounce around somewhere else because you know at least the tools are there and the inexperience well you know not necessarily favorable to your college resume says there might be some more to mold here he just needs more time yeah, I think so. And and the fact that he's in the game means somebody wanted to see him. I mean, it, you alluded yeah. to this. I, I, for the, the, the combine, you know, every team, I guess most teams have to sign off on wanting to see the kids. So that's a good sign for him. Will he work his way into the draft? I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of guys going to the combine. You know, if he, can, if he runs well, maybe somebody takes a flyer on him late. But he's at least positioned himself by going to the combine to get those times on, on, you know, on tape or get those drills on tape and things like that. And, you know, it's uh, it's an opportunity for him. Would you say he's got the most to gain out of yes. out of this group? Yeah, I, I, agree. I agree with you. I um, think second, though, Deshaun Hamilton, because he just continues to rise. And the only question about him is is that 40 time. That straight line speed. Yeah. yeah. And we've known for years he's not the fastest guy in the world. But, you know, it, it, where he gets his money is is route running. And he showed it, the you know, at the Senior Bowl and at the East-West game. And I, you know, I don't know that there's been a Penn State player who's been in one and then invited to the other. I mean, that's something that's obviously a, a feather in his cap. He did great. Uh, both weeks from what I from what I remember so yep. I mean he's I'd say he's got the most to gain also could it could have the most to lose I mean he goes out there and runs a four seven five, and then all of a sudden you know these teams take a step back and say well maybe he's not the guy um, so I, I think there's that um, but but of course with with eight guys uh, most to lose who do you got well I, I think Deshaun is kind of far from the most to lose category because of all the work that he put in right I mean he earned his way into the senior bowl performed very well there getting open regardless and if he doesn't if he doesn't run so well I think it just affirms the concerns that you have but still the stuff that he earned and worked up to isn't going away right like he impressed enough demonstrated his ability and all those intangibles and everything that he has going for him you know route running and when, when you talk to people at Penn State he is going to wow so it, it's just going to be if he doesn't run well well we kind of knew that anyway I would look as most to lose is, is another guy who was not invited to you know the senior bowl and, 
didn't get a chance, but was at the East West Shrine game, Grant Haley, because he's on that fringe. And the knock on him, of course, is going to be, you know, well, he's 5'9, might be best suited as a nickel corner. Obviously, that's a position that's almost a starter in the NFL, but you're not really investing draft picks, you know, really high in there. So for him, who's on the back end, I think if he doesn't perform well physically, and he's got good speed, no doubt, or lift, he's a guy who doesn't have much room for error, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, Christian Campbell, because of his size, because of his length, he's got much more room. And of course, he went to the Senior Bowl and and had a good week as well. Um, The guy that I look to, Jason Cabinda, I'm I'm not sure what scouts Mm. think of his athletic ability. Um, Because he's, I mean, he's not a burner, and and he's been a Mike linebacker pretty much his entire career. So um, is he pigeonholed into playing in the middle? What can he provide your roster other than that? Um, So if he goes out there and runs well, you know, people are going to start seeing him more as a special teams guy, a guy that can work his way onto a roster and help you multiple ways. So I think he's got a lot to gain, but also if he goes out and runs a five flat, that could be a problem. So um, I think he's there. Uh, Marcus Allen is a guy who, you know, isn't a straight line guy either. So I'm I'm curious to see how he runs and, you know, if he's healthy enough. He had some hamstring issues down at the Senior Bowl. But um, if he's a guy that comes out and doesn't run a good time, I mean, that could hurt him as well. Safety is such a tricky position in the NFL draft because you could have a guy that you think is going to be a late first rounder, a second rounder, all of a sudden he's in the fourth round. So um, I I think he's got to get out there, sort of assert himself as a guy that's not just a run support guy, Um, you know, farewell in the drills and things like that. But also there's a lot of risk involved there. Yeah, I think three cone is going to be a big one for him. And also safeties too, depending on the team that you have, you have a very different prototype in mind. I mean, you look at a Cam Chancellor in Seattle, six foot three, two twenty five, two thirty. I don't think there are many systems except for he's constantly coming down, dropping into that curl flat area because they're playing single high so often where he is almost, you know, an additional linebacker down there. And he can cover tight ends and whatnot, but there might be teams that want some more guys who can play and drop down and play nickel um, and be a little bit more flexible and a little quicker. So you know what's interesting too about the guys we brought up initially looking at Apke, Haley, Hamilton, and Cabinda, you know, there are more people invited to the combine that get drafted right. where they would also carve out each of their niches potentially is special teams. So at Apke in particular, and I think Haley too, you're not going to demonstrate your ability to play a special teams in the combine, but that's something you would absolutely stress in interviews, which to me is is far more important than the underwear Olympics that you have at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's, it's the behind the curtains, 20-minute interviews or 15, whatever it is, that they get with teams to demonstrate you know, their personality, their understanding of the scheme that we're in they own up to their mistakes what would they be willing to do moving forward can they take good coaching because those are absolutely critical just like you would have a job interview for anybody else yeah and those four guys you mentioned uh apke's going to interview well Cabinda's going to i think interview extremely Terrific. well yeah. i mean he's he's been a, a guy that's been a personality since he's gotten here um yeah grant haley is a very smart kid deshaun hamilton a very smart kid so um, you know, I think that will be their biggest opportunity is to get in there, get in to f- see some of those teams and, and, and show them what they can do. I mean, you've got numbers to back it up with Hamilton. Of course, uh, uh, Mike Kosicki, nobody's going to ask him to block at the Combine. So that, no. that'll be good. Um, so, yeah, the, the, definitely an opportunity for all eight of these guys. And, you know, tip your hat to them because this is the first time in a long time Penn State's had, you know, this kind of showing at the NFL Combine. Okay. I'm going to take Saquon Barkley running the 40 off the table. But outside of that, what is the one player in one event that you are most looking forward to? Because Mike Kosicki doing the vertical jump is number one with a bullet for me. <laughs> uh, Christian Campbell, broad jump. 
Oh, all right. I'm going to see him get over 11 feet, uh, be one of the top in the combine. I, I think I said this a year ago. He's got you know the athletic ability and, and the testing numbers to go out to the combine and move himself up. Well, he went to the Senior Bowl and did that already um, without testing. So really interested to see how much he can help himself. But, yeah, that broad jump for Christian Campbell, I think, is going to be a big one. Broad jump. Uh, you know who has the world record for the broad jump? Unofficial, but it's not me. But, yeah. Byron Jones, safety Dallas Cowboys, went to... UConn, yeah. yeah. Thank of you for course. saying it. It's going to wait here as long as it took for you just to say UConn. Those UConn guys test off the charts. I don't remember. They really do. Workout Warriors, that's about it. Um, but you know what? You get paid. Just like you. Yes. Uh, so other part about the NFL Combine, you know, guys who aren't invited, you mentioned Brendan Mann. I think he'll get consideration too, and it, it is probably a byproduct of, listen, you look at that offensive line as a whole, wasn't very good this year, certainly not very good a year ago and the year before that, but on his own, a productive player. Um, and multiple he, positions. Yeah. Right, yes. Great value and versatility. So... His pro day will be important. Um, neither of us will just say it right now. We're invited to the Football Sports Writers Combine this year either. So our pro day is going to be of the utmost importance as well. Yeah, I can't wait. I've been uh, lifting pints for the last four days in England. So that's been... <laughs> Meanwhile, I am on week four. I, I've stuck to this more than I thought I would because, again, the equipment that's listed on this, these workouts we're doing to prepare for our, for our pro day, which we'll have this released. I kind of decided on my own. But March 19th is when you can look forward to this whole production. Monday, March 19th. It should be the day before Penn State's actual pro day where we go through the motions of what these guys will be and all the different workouts, the 40s, et cetera. I can't wait to see that as I nurse my torn hammy. Oh, yeah, hedging already. All right. Well, we can't can't sub Mark in. He's already said no flatly. All right. Well, speaking of Mark, you and Mark Brennan cover Penn State basketball for Lions 24-7. Nice little run after we said Chambers was at the end of the road, or at least I said Chambers was at the end of the road. You were were not alone in that. I think Mark might have as well. I held back uh, smartly. um, but no, I had the foresight to see that coming. <laughs> I, I did. Man. Uh, soft schedule and, you know. But no, I, in all seriousness, they've won three out of four. Huge game Wednesday night against Maryland. It's at home, 6.30, because they're right there with the Terps in the middle of the Big Ten. The, the standard for Chambers, real quickly, and we can put that to bed, was uh, are you going to have improvement in conference play? They've done that. They've matched last year's right. win total against Big Ten opponents. Naturally, that was going to happen with your freshmen who were all your best players a year ago, progressing as sophomores. Still kind of played the youth card, but they've gone past that. They're more mature. They're playing well. Um, and you could say, you know, and I think Chambers is going to stick around. That, that's basically why. Because they've still got six games to go. You should win at least two or three of those, if not maybe four. And that point, you say, undeniable progress has been made. They've looked good, and they're not blowing games. I mean, that's the thing. You, you keep expecting it. If, if you're watching from an outsider perspective, you keep expecting that lead to shrink and shrink and shrink. And, you know, it did it at Ohio State. But they, they, they stepped back up, and they made some plays down the stretch, which, you know, has been a hallmark of these Pat Chambers teams where they just kind of fold and then crumble and then you know it goes by the wayside so definite credit to pat uh, yes. credit to these guys uh the, the, this team has really stepped up and you know I, I don't watch as much as you obviously but i mean for for this little run i mean schedule aside they're winning they're winning games right and, and it all started with that win right not only because it's a it's a what do you call it a resume win or a quality win but then it moves on and because they hadn't beaten a ranked team you know on the road that high i don't know how many years like it might have been the first the pat chambers era the only other one was Ohio State a number of years ago. So that was a game in which you look at it and go, okay, you, you ascribe it a lot to three-point shooting, which they were just, they had the, their all-time best mark from three-point range. That helps. Yeah. Tony Carr, their best player, played out of his mind, and they got Josh Reeves back. So some of that is luck, undoubtedly, but for how long luck has kind of swung in the opposite direction for this program, which is, is not t- entirely out of their hands. I mean, you've got youth, your faults are, are your own issues that you've created, but 
to have some of that luck go back in the other way, I think is fine because it ultimately normalizes what's been recent history with this team. And then you take into consideration the games that followed. Iowa and Rutgers, not games are likely to blow, but certainly could have been much closer. Right. Instead, they cover large spreads against both at home and then lead at Michigan State for almost 30 minutes. Right. So, yes, that game was given away, but Michigan State's a top five team. You had Mike Watkins getting foul trouble, and, and people have really been conflating this idea of is Tony Carr taking too many shots when they lose those games late that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the issue is Mike Watkins has not been available because right. he's the center of that defense. They're a defensive team. And a big drop-off behind him. Right, right. And, and no one to play off the bench for him. So um, the last part about that is not only just th- them improving and having progress and maturity and getting a little bit of luck, but Josh Reeves is back. Like, yeah. There's no way getting around who could arguably be you know your third best player, depending on where you slot him in, in um, Lamar Stevens after Tony Carr and, and Mike Watkins. But he does everything for them. We sat down with him on Monday. I wrote a piece about how he's helped bring them back. Um, but defensively, I mean, he's, he's among the best, best in the Big Ten, and they're going to need him because three of these last six games against top 25 opponents. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question Josh Reese coming back is probably the single biggest thing that they, they could have hoped for. And it's not even, a, I mean, it's not like you're getting a 20-point scorer back or anything like that, but when he can do all those little things better than, you know, a freshman or something like that, I mean, he can keep your team together and you can, you know, turn that deficit, you know, to turn a two or three point deficit that, you know, in the past has been, you know, gone from two points to eight points in a matter of possessions. You know, if you can turn that around, uh, which they've done, uh, it, it's a good sign moving forward. Uh, don't know. You think they've worked their way onto at least conversation for the bubble or anything like that? There's, they're now back within the realm of possibility, but they're not there yet. I think the, the tricky part is, too, because I just mentioned three of the last six games are against ranked opponents. The other three, though, are not gimmies, and that starts with Maryland. Again, teams in the middle of the Big Ten, you look at the worst of the remaining three in Nebraska and Illinois. Nebraska's up there, surprising everybody. A lot of transfers who have gelled quickly, um, probably quicker than anyone That's expected. Yeah. That's on the road to in their final game. And then on the road to Illinois, which is this Sunday. It's a, it's a weird tip. Sunday at 7 p.m. in Illinois. It's a game where you'd favor Penn State by a point or two. But again, these are the games where Penn State had previously lost. Now they started to win. Does it swing back in the opposite direction, especially when you're on the road? Do they have that mental toughness to push through? So I would envision a 3-3 three and three start or 3-3 three and three finish for the rest of the year, which would put them at 19 and 12. That does not have you on the bubble. I think you're in the conversation for NIT, certainly, and especially if you win a game or two in the Big Ten tournament. However, it is very possible that they go 4-2 for reasons that I just mentioned. The games that they have against non-ranked opponents, Maryland's at home, um, that, you know, say you win, even if you lose one of two against Illinois and Nebraska, which are both on the road, uh, you know, that's 2-1. and one. So now you're looking at your three ranked games. Ohio State at home, already beating the Buckeyes. Michigan at home, they're in the bottom of that top 25 poll, and Purdue on the road. I think you just have to concede Purdue on the road yeah, because I, Purdue I has been absurd. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic team inside and out. There is no weaknesses. I, I honestly don't know how you defend them. So I think they could certainly beat Ohio State again at home. It would be close. They would need another stellar effort. Michigan, I think, is beatable at home. You know, that's your senior day. Shep Garner going out. Um, so the opportunity to win two of three against Maryland, Illinois, and Nebraska is there. And the opportunity to win two of three from Ohio State, Michigan, and Purdue, because they're mostly at home, is also there. So if they want to make the bubble, you need to go four and two. And I think take two or three of each or perhaps win all three of those, you know, toss-up games and then at least one or two of the ranked ones. And then do well in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, that Wisconsin game and that Ryder game, uh, that hurts. Yeah. Well, you're back to negative town i am back to negative <laughs> town but man we just you just think they could be a 21 win ball club you know if if, if that scenario no, it's true out. it's true to think where they you know to think where we think they are you know just the, 
the the the, per, uh, the perception of negativity around this program has always been there. It's, yes. it's nothing new. Um, so you know, this feels like at times like we're talking about a twelve win team or something like that. So the fact that they've stepped up and, and and they are where they're at, and we're still talking about Pat's job and all that kind of stuff, right. it's crazy. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a tip of the cap to them. They've they've handled everything very well. And the Ryder loss is obviously going to look terrible, and it, and it should because again, if they get in that resume conversation, you look okay. Who have you beaten? Who have you lost to? Your best wins or you know Ohio State and perhaps one of these coming up. Um, your worst loss is Ryder without a doubt. The weird thing is Ryder is in the top 130 rankings per Ken Palm. They're 17 and 7 in leading their conference. So like there's no way to to dress this up as some sort of like okay win. It was at home into a team that's in a, a totally different league than the Big Ten. But you still look at that and go, uh, you know, if they want to say that wasn't as bad as it seemed. They might have a point. Like, you gave it away. But it's also college basketball where there's a large enough season where it's not, you know, Penn State football losing to Rutgers. And you go, well, how do you just give that away? You only have 12 games per season. Like, it's it hasn't been as bad. But I think those two, you're right, are the ones that you say if they could have one or two back, it makes this an entirely different story. That swishing you hear in the background is that pom-pom he's uh he's Oh, flinging. juice stuff. <laughs> um, all right, Junior Day. We, we teased this long enough. I mean, there's been a lot of coverage out there outside of the stuff that has not been posted and people have not read what else you got the turnout and of course you know i was overseas for this so you know i'm sort of reflecting on this yesterday and things the turnout was absolutely astounding when you talk about they had roughly 25 guys there and 18 of them have scholarship offers from penn state that hit rate is ridiculous really um it's it's been you know it was we thought it would be a good turnout i think it was a great turnout for what they were aiming for uh this isn't your typical bring in 70 guys bring in 80 guys junior day which we've seen in the past they sort of narrowed it down a little bit and they'll have uh you know kids on campus the rest of the spring um bringing guys in and in in shifts to get them on for practices for you know of course the the blue white game is its own animal but uh yeah i think it's a good start for 2019 recruiting um you know what does it do for the buzz no commitments We, we didn't expect any commitments going into it but uh no commitments um but but a lot of guys that you've seen on campus before i think you're setting the table with guys like John Mechie, who, by the way, is a 2019 kid. Penn State flirted with him being a 2018 kid for you know about a day or so, which he really didn't want to do. Um, but he's back to being a 2019 kid. Tyler Rudolph, Marquise Wilson, two uh, you know phenomenal defensive backs from. I'm going to make you say it. This is just like UConn all over again. I know where they're from. From Connecticut. Yes. So, uh, Caden Wallace has been on campus. Andre White from Harrisburg has been on campus. So, these are guys that I think you can you can look at. And I think uh, at least uh, one, two, three, six of them all have crystal ball picks to Penn State. So, um, that's a very good sign uh, in terms of setting the table. You're looking at a class roughly right around 20, maybe a couple fewer than that. Um, but, yeah, you're setting the table for a nice little class. You, you brought in guys the, that you're hoping to swing like Lance Dixon, Ja'Kai Moore, um, Jaleel Billingsley, who's a guy that I like out of Chicago that they just offered last week. Tight end came in for a visit to right away. His interest level is very high. And, and David Bell from Indiana is a, a wide receiver that was in as well. So you're looking to sort of swing the pendulum. Um, Lance Dixon is a guy that they offered, uh, you know, last fall. They had him in camp. He's been on campus for unofficial visits. And, you know, his leader is Michigan State, which, you know, is going through some stuff right now. So you're going to try uh, and yes. take that opportunity, get him back on campus if you can. Um, so yeah, there's there's opportunity with those guys. Um, 
a ton of opportunity with underclassmen. They had 2020 and 2021 guys on there. Jalen Berger is a guy that they offered last summer. Marshawn Lloyd, um, probably the top running back in the country in 2020 down at the math that they just offered him a week ago. Now, of course, he, he missed most of his um, you know, last season with a, a wrist injury, but talent-wise, he's probably as good as any DeMatha running back that's come through, and that's saying something. It really is. Um, yeah. Derek Davis, Penn State's first 2021 offer at Gateway, where Terry Smith coached for years. So there's uh, relationships there. So you're setting the table with those guys as well. And then on top of that, I think I think we counted four offers so far. Noah Pola Gates came in from Arizona. He's a phenomenal safety um, guy that really surprised some people by showing up. He's got some connections to Penn State as well. Um, you know, Cole Brevard is a guy that Steve Wilfong alerted us to, uh, you know, a few weeks ago as Penn State was starting to recruit him. Um, they offered him as a defensive tackle. Jordan Morant, uh, you know, is, is a guy from Jersey. And of course, Landon Tangwall has been on campus a bunch already. And he's a 2021 kid. He's had some crystal balls going to Penn State. This kid is uh, 6'6", 300 plus pounds, and he's a freshman in high school. Uh, that's uh, that's saying something. So uh, just looking at the guys that they had in, uh, phenomenal group when you're talking about percentage-wise, 18 of 25 with scholarship offers. I mean, you're going to take that every time. Plus, Taquan Roberson, Keaton Ellis, guys that are already in the class. Roberson, by the way, picked up an Ohio State offer last week. He saw it with Penn State. So um, just a, an all-around productive weekend. Maybe not on the surface. You, you know, if you're following along very loosely or following along via Twitter or whatever, you don't see, the, you know, as much going on. But really great building blocks for the 2019, 2020, and 21 class coming out of junior day. And that is the most seamless transition possible in a mailbag. First question, were you surprised that there were no commits from junior day? No, and it's interesting, and, it, and it's asked about this later in the mailbag, so I'll, I'll hold off on that. So, no, we weren't really expecting anything. I mean, you saw some crystal ball picks coming out of there. Tyler Rudolph is a guy that the you know the crystal ball went to Penn State. Marquise Wilson, I think, maybe picked one up. Caden uh, um, Wallace has already had them, guys. So, I mean, I'm, there are guys there that are sort of ripe, and maybe in past years that that's, that's been something where these guys have come on. But I'm going to seg into the next um, the next mailbag question. The action is going to change. I mean, Penn State, uh, excuse me, the NCAA passed the early official visits, um, you know, rule for this 2019 cycle where guys can go and see schools officially through April through June. Um, and it's, it's going to change some things. I think you're going to see less uh, commitments, especially in, in our region. Some of these guys are going to want to come and see Florida, Florida State, you know, get out of the region and see some of these official visits um, in April, in May. And likewise, um, some Southern guys will come up for, from Florida and stuff for the blue-white game, but we'll yep. get into that you know later in the spring. So I think it's going to impact the calendar a little bit. Um, you know, you're still going to have layups at times. Of course, Keaton Ellis is already in the class. He's from State College. Roberson is a guy that, that loved Penn State for a long time. So you're going to have guys that are you know going to jump on those early offers, but at the same time, you're going to have guys like Caden Wallace who wants to go down and see the new staff at Florida State. He wants to go see you know South Carolina, where his mom went. You know, he's, I think he's going to try and use some of these officials. On the flip side of that, you're, I think you're going to see fewer decommitments. So uh, guys may be a little bit more sure about their decision after taking these officials in the spring. So I think it helps from that aspect. If you're looking to build your class in February, it probably hurts you a little bit. But at the same time, I think Penn State, it's not going to change a ton. You know, you're going to go to the blue-white game. Instead of having 10 commits, you're going to have six commits or something like that. So I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. But at the same time, uh, you will see the timeline is sort of uh, interfered with in the last uh, – 
or in the next cycle. Right. And I think they'll have other consequences that are almost unintended or you can't possibly expect early. But I think that's a big one, too, is that the geography, to me, stands out most about this ability to come in for officials, as you said, April through June. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, you know, even the Penn State coaches will crack occasionally sometimes. It's like, listen, yeah, we've got this event schedule, whether it's a junior day, we've got a kid coming up for an official. And, of course, it's raining or it's sub-zero temperatures, which we had the wind chill at last Friday. So it's just stuff that you can avoid at that time. And again, Florida kids who are used to, and you can understand, say, listen, you can deal with the snow. When you open the car door, the plane lands and everything's just coated in white. I mean, you can't, there's nothing you could do to stop that first impression, right? And you step out and it's freezing, but you can avoid that now with these visits. And it'd be really interesting to see as their footprint, you know, tries to expand. We've talked about 2019 is down in Pennsylvania, but they're trying to reach, as we said, you know, already offers in California and Florida and Texas and dive further. I think that only aids them from that perspective. Yeah. And with Jay Wansider on on, on yeah. staff now, I mean, you're going to see some Florida names pop up that you weren't expecting. I've already talked to a bunch of the Florida kids, and I'll be writing those, you know, in the next couple of days and when signing day gets gets passed and everything. And the impact that that has made, while it probably won't earn Penn State, you know, five or six commitments from Florida, if you, you can cherry pick a couple of those guys. I mean, these, these are the next level athletes right there. So, um, so you're sort of building with that process. And those guys that we mentioned, the Caden Wallace, uh, Marquise Wilson, those guys, they're not going to take officials to Penn State in the spring. Um, they're going to try and save them for later. And, you know, if you're Penn State, if you can save them for later, I think that sets you up with the regional guys a little bit better. You're trying to get kids from Texas in, kids from Georgia in, kids from Florida, possibly California as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the biggest change for anything. So back to the original question, not surprised with no commitments, but uh, you're going to see a little bit of a shift in the calendar. And I think it's a good thing. And like I said, it's gonna, I think it's going to cut down on decommitments, especially from, from kids from this region. Okay. Best Super Bowl snack. Oh, wow. Buffalo chicken dip was a suggestion, and um, I'm going to take that up. You, you, you like the buffalo chicken? I dip? have a hard time thinking of many things in life better than buffalo chicken dip. So among just specifically Super Bowl snacks, yeah, I think I got to go with uh, buff chicken dip. But would, you, would you consider beef and ale sliders uh, a snack, or would that be more of a main meal for the? See, I don't know if you were just rubbing in my face all the drinking and good times you had in England just right now, or if you are. No, that's a, that's that's a tradition for me. I like to get the the big old. You are master roast. chef. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, it's close. Sli- sliders would be up there, but man, I just. Buffalo chicken dip is good to have on any plate, anytime. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. So that's a, that's a good one. I'm I'm not a big dip guy, but buffalo chicken dip, I mean, is is something special. So. Did I did I flip you right there? No, you didn't. Oh. The sliders are still better. I oh, mean, so you, you're, you're, you're you can hard, take the dip hard and commit put it the on the slider. I, yeah, I'm a hard commit to the slider. I will take any official visit you let me to go get <laughs> beef sliders. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, we'll go with that one to, to to end it. So all right, all right. Well, this is fun. Good to be back in the pot. Yeah, um, shook off the rust and uh, didn't have any outtakes since your original ones. And yeah, I think we're good to go. Those are fun though. Right, right at the outset when I'm just swearing incessantly because the mic's too loud or I stumbled over a very basic word. And I'm gonna send them to your mother. Yeah, you, you know what? We're gonna put. Yeah, no, please. Uh, <laughs> I will not be going back home for any sliders or buffalo chicken dip on any holidays. Uh, if that's the case. But no. All right, we we should do a, a poll on this, and I'm not sure if it's going to be on Twitter or we're out or maybe just in the, the uh, boards. Do you want now takes episode? Because we can start saving all of these wherein it's just probably going to be no longer than 10 to 12 minutes, but it will be us sounding, you know, just either at times very official and then stumbling over ourselves or me calling you out for something or you returning the favor. Right. Like, I think this would be enjoyable. So I think we should leave it up to the uh, the good old listeners, including including your guy, Alex. Yeah, I mean, anything you can do to make me sound like an idiot, then uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. you're, you're making me run a 40 here. Well, so. we will give this to an independent <laughs> third party as we always do to edit and produce yeah. and cut up. So 
uh, you're you're closer with Andrew than I am. Just one string of expletive uh, beep. So <laughs> I think it'd be fun. All right, we'll we'll have this as a poll. Uh, so give us some feedback there. If you would like an outtakes episode, we can certainly <laughs> make that happen. It won't be anytime soon because we got to start saving these clips, as I've been suggesting since the start. Uh, but maybe you know, off season, everyone's got to kill time. Not only just us, but I think it'd be uh, I think it'd be fun. Speaking of having your voice heard, um, we should have done this earlier because we haven't done it in a while. But iTunes, we've we've still done extremely well. We're up to over 200 ratings. Um, 201 last time I checked 200 are still 5 stars I need to find the 4 star the one four guy, star guy. We're, we're gonna find yeah, him we are yeah. gonna find him and force him to unsubscribe and, and just uh, get out of town uh, but we have not had many reviews late and, and it's something that we want to hear feedback from you good, bad or ugly it is all fine we're looking to get better here in the podcast and of course expand our reach because you know recruiting still we got National Signing Day Wednesday but it's still only gonna continue and roll on because Penn State's been focused on 2019 for a long time we'll continue to do so 2020 picks up you know we're going to be here throughout the spring and the summer, and we want to hear what you want to hear. So find us on iTunes, leave a rating and review. We greatly appreciate it. And we're always answering questions on our site. I know a yes. lot of people hit us up on Twitter and stuff like that, but the best answers you're going to get on the site, uh, you know, chats and everything like that. So hit us up on the site, and we'll be happy to uh, to help you out there. So. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We will see you next time. Not sure when that will be, but we'll we'll figure it out. We'll bring, uh, we'll bring some buffalo chicken dip. Fantastic. Fantastic.